Fulhamish is back for the season by Labbrooks. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish podcast. It's Fulhamish Extra. We are your independent voice of Fulham FC. Thank you for downloading the podcast today. I'm on my own. It's Sammy here doing the extra podcast, looking ahead to Friday night's West Ham game. And we've got a bunch of other great interviews. Hope you're all good. Hope you enjoyed a weekend off the football. And yeah, uh, starting off in this podcast, we're going to be looking ahead to our first ever trip to the London Stadium to face West Ham on Friday night. It's not looking good in the league, but get a win and maybe just maybe we can restore a little bit of pride amongst the team and also amongst the fan base also coming up later in the episode really excited to bring you two great interviews the first one is with former Fulham goalkeeper former US men's national team goalkeeper and all-round hero of the great escape from 0708 Casey Keller Uh, he was on our love sport fan show on Wednesday with Guy Dom and Cam Uh, And he's an absolutely brilliant bloke. I'm not too surprised, but it's an amazing, amazing interview. What a guy. So make sure you stick around for that. We also spoke to Tom Greatrix, who you'll probably know as the chair of the Fulham Supporters Trust. Uh, Everything going on with the FST at the moment, in particular, the ticketing debacle that surrounded the Liverpool game going on sale and how it pretty much sold out in two hours. And there's going to be a uh, a ton of scousers in the the home ends and uh, the away ends pretty much going to be half the ground. So getting Tom's views on that and everything to do with the FST. Uh, Just before we look ahead to that West Ham game, just to say that this season Fulhamish is backed by Ladbrokes for exclusive specials and promotions. Head to bet.fulhamish.co.uk. So Friday night, London Stadium, Fulham's first ever trip there. And well, I'm interested because it is a new stadium and it's always good to tick one off the list. And it's a new big stadium for Fulham. I was a little bit disappointed earlier in the season when it turned out that Fulham wouldn't be playing at Spurs' new ground. I thought that we were going to be the only team not to play at Spurs' new ground, but obviously you know what what happened there and pretty much no one's going to get the chance to play there, if anyone, uh, this season. Obviously, it's a ground that has been mired in controversy since West Ham moved there two and a half years ago. I mean, that ground, I've not been there for football, but I've been there for other events. It's chalk and cheese compared to the old Upton Park, which was so historic. And you walked through the heart of the East End to get there and old fashioned pubs, old fashioned places to eat. And then, you know, you go to the Olympic Stadium and you walk through Westfield. It's just going to be a bit of a bizarre experience. And, and lots of away fans have complained about the atmosphere there. I think there's, there's two tiers of away support and they're separated by a massive gap in the middle but hopefully Fulham can go there on Friday night generate a bit of an atmosphere and it's it's a weird time for Fulham I mean we're cut adrift at the bottom of the table and and everyone's written us off really haven't they and so they should with seven points adrift probably eight points when you actually factor in our inferior goal difference as well but part of me wonders if Fulham can just go there on Friday night with the pressure off a bit of a cup game almost West Ham will be turning up expecting a fairly easy three points but we do have some quality in this team and I would love it if we can put an attacking lineup out and just just go at West Ham. And I think we showed in the home game uh, where we lost 2-0, but we missed a host of chances in that first half, particularly Mitrovic and Kamara. If we can go there and just attack West Ham, put them under a little bit of pressure, get those home fans rattled, and let's come out 
and try and get three points. Will it save our season? Probably not, but it might restore a little bit of faith back in the team and also amongst the fan base as well. And then you go into that Southampton game. They're facing Arsenal away this weekend with a chance to close the gap to them. Does this mean Fulham are staying up if you can even get an unlikely six points out of this? Probably not, but it's time that the team just gave us a little bit of a belief back, especially before this really, really hard March set of fixtures. I would enjoy it if Claudio kept it with four at the back like he did in the first half against Man United. I'd also quite like to see if Havard Norvike could come into the centre of defence. And I know he had a little bit of a knock when he came here, but I wonder with the two-week international break whether an inclusion for him at centre-back just might be the thing to give our defence some steel again and, and maybe try and get an unlikely clean sheet. He is a experienced defender. He's played nearly 200 times either in the Bundesliga or for West Ham. Of course, he's facing his old club here as well, so that might just give him a little bit of an incentive to perform a bit better because West Ham fans weren't particularly impressed with his time uh, in Claret and Blue. So I'm hoping to see him and let's try and get Tom Kearney and Ryan Sessegnon on the pitch. I think that the fan base has been very vocal that they want their inclusion in this team and especially when it comes to Tom Kearney. We haven't won a match this season where Tom Kearney hasn't been absolutely influential to what we're doing and a big pitch on Friday night and I think Tom will have a lot of space to, to enjoy his football and against a team that have tried to purchase him on numerous occasions I imagine again he'll be another one looking to impress on Friday night. Let's get uh, a view from the opposition. Jack caught up with Dan Lawless from West Ham Fan TV to find all the latest goings on from the London Stadium. Welcome to Fulhamish. We're here previewing the West Ham game. My name is Jack Collins and I'm joined by Dan Lawless from West Ham Fan TV. Dan, how you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad, mate. It's been a nice little break, I suppose, from football. I'd rather, much rather have been in the FA Cup, but, you know, it is what it is. I had to go Watch down it. to... Uh, to Doncaster, well up to Doncaster to watch the Palace game to cover that. So it's been a it's been a footballing weekend, but one that was free of Fulham, which is in this day and age quite a good thing. I often think so. We're uh, we're doing all right. You on the other hand are, are doing absolutely fine. How, how's the season been so far? What's the kind of view around the camp? Yeah, I mean it's it's sort of been what kind of what I I expected. You know, ups and downs. I, you know, we like you. We spent quite a bit of money. You know, we brought a new manager, Pellegrini. And, you know, you've got to give the manager a couple of seasons. So I kind of like my goal for this season was to not be involved in the relegation battle and we haven't. So, you know, it's kind of, you know, kind of happy, frustrated with injuries, which, you know, a lot of teams probably are, but really frustrated with injuries and just some of some of the results. But ultimately, I'm just happy not to be fighting down there with, with you guys, really. Fair play. I mean, I, I'd give a lot to be in your position, so I, I completely understand. Yeah, I mean, we've been there the past few seasons, so, you know, we, we know how it feels. We've been relegated as well, so we know how it feels. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I'm going to go a couple of player questions. I mean, obviously, from a Fulham perspective, the one that jumps out straight away is Ryan Fredericks. He's obviously been injured, come back from injury recently. What's the kind of general view on him? You know, he's... I know on the first game of the season, he got absolutely embarrassed at Liverpool and things didn't look like it was going to be good for him. But he seems to have come back and, and you know, vaguely nailed down a bit of a spot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Liverpool, it was such a hard game to start for us because so we we had like, um, like eight or nine new players in that first game. 
Um, you know, so Frank completely in the deep end. He comes back. He had a decent showing against Arsenal. You know, even defensively, you know, sprinting back with his pace and putting in tackles and things like that. And it was just inconsistency, so, uh, you know, up until he got injured. But again, like... A lot of our players, a lot of our team needed to gel to bring someone who's never played in the Premier League, who's coming from the Championship, and ask them, right, none of these players have played together. We're playing a completely new system of football. It, it was a tough ask, rather than if you know if we brought him into a stabilised side. So anyway, he's you know he's injured for a while. Zabalet has you know been a warrior and and really putting off, you know <clears throat> you know doing a good job for us. And now he's come back. He's looked decent. He has looked decent. Um, and you know, I think a lot of the fans are, start, are happy with him and think, yeah, OK, so maybe he could be the guy that um, replaces Zabaleta when he moves on. Um, he's got to get used to playing the offside, sort of the high back line. He sort of, play, he sort of plays, uh, tends to play a few other players onside, but it's just getting used to that, keep playing the high line and catching people out offside. But yeah, I'm happy with him overall. He's got that pace. Yeah, yeah I was going to say the good news about playing that trap is that you can usually catch the fellow who springs it. Um, he is quick, really quick. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. Like we've been saying that for years. We need a pacey right back, and um, for a while, and someone who's a dedicated right back. And you know, this team having someone with that pace, it's, it's it's exciting. It's just getting all them other components and getting him used to all the players un- having that understanding together and and all understanding the system and. Um, yeah, like I said, it's it's good. So uh, you know, I'm 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 happy to have him. <laughs> really, so. I mean, two players, I suppose, that have been more revelatory in their sense. One, Declan Rice, who's you know been an absolute sensation, and Felipe Anderson. Uh, are they the two brightest lights in what's been you know a reasonably decent season so far? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Declan Rice has been really, you know, just super consistent. It's unbelievable that a player of his age, just turned 20 years old, is just so, you know, calm and and focused. And the tackles that he puts in are just brilliant. Like, uh, you know, if I had to look at his stats, I don't think he's hardly conceded any fouls this season. You know, he just puts in, he just picks the ball out from their feet. Um, Yeah, so very excited about the player we have there. And then Felipe Anderson, it took him a little while to adapt and... Yeah, now he's looking like that that special player that um, you know can create chances and can unlock defenses. So, it, it, you know, he's an exciting player, and I think more and more time he'll start to really will start to really show what he can do. So, yeah, I think those two, we'd say, at the moment. Yeah, before, if you'd asked us last year, and now his name would have been in that, but the whole controversy and the injuries and all of that is he's dropped down the pecking order a bit. Yeah. In, in fans' eyes, yeah. Obviously, everyone keeps an eye on what everyone else is doing. What's the kind of general view of Fulham and, and the season, I suppose, from a West Ham perspective and or from your perspective, I guess? You know, it, it's been interesting hearing what different people have to say about Fulham. There's a lot of people, you know, the likes of, of Cardiff and, and Huddersfield have been a little bit gloaty about it. Uh, a lot of people have been a bit sad about how, it, how it's turned out, especially, you know, over at Wolves, who seem to have been like, we'd have liked you to have been you know, vaguely, not not as good as us, but a little bit behind. Um, yeah, what's yeah. the view from your end? Yeah, I mean, look, from from, from my opinion, I, you know, I'm hoping you guys stay up because, you know, it's, it's always nice to have another London club up um, in the in the Premier League, you know, and, um, you know, it's a decent club, Fulham. You know, I haven't, I've, I'm not a fan of Fulham, obviously, but I don't hate Fulham. I think it's one of them, it's got a decent football ground. And, yeah, it's just one of them clubs that, 
you know, it's just completely have just no issue with any of the fans or anything like that. Like Palace, there's always there's just a little something there with Palace, like there's a love of London club. But it's sort of like every week, you know, you check the results, don't you? After you've got over your result, let's see what other results. And you look and you just go, like, and you look at the table and you think it's, it's skin different. I think it's like seven points off. It's not impossible. It's just having other results to go your way and then you start grinding out the results. Um, so hopefully you guys do it. And I think the players just need to maybe play now without that, without fear and um, really put it in. Hopefully, like I said, I hope you guys stay up. So, you know, obviously you've been in these relegation scraps in, in the past. You've come out of it on the right side of it the last couple of years. Uh, you know, what's been the, the key to those, you know, those kind of scraps? What's the kind of thing that Fulham can hold on to as if, you know, if it is going to go down to the wire. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of the times in those, I think it was the first season was in the stadium. Um, thankfully, there was, you know, like three worst teams than us. So every, there was a lot of poor, poor teams there um, and was able to grind it out and score some goals and get some, some surprising victories. It was that, and then there was the last season, obviously, we had the whole crisis with the board. We had the Burnley stuff throwing the, stuff at the uh random coins at the board and all sorts of stuff but we had obviously uh david moyes came in and he'd sort of done like a big sam job you know grinded out points said he the ship you know that's that's what i was wondering like when you was potentially going to sack your look uh, manager look big sam he's one it's sort of like banner when you get stuck with big sam but no matter what happens, he can steady the ship and keep you up. And I think when you when you first get promoted, that first season of just staying in the Premier League is so crucial for stability. And I think that's what you guys were lacking. But yeah, I remember last season feeling like there was a point where I was just like, we're down. We're absolutely down. And then we went on a run and it's like, you know, I feel like an idiot. But that's how it goes. It's football. It's, it's ups and downs and it can, it can surprise you. So it's just holding on to that. And, and like I said, it can feel hopeless. But, you know, there's still... What, how many points to play for now? Like 11 points, 11 games, sorry, to play. So, yeah, exactly. So you just got to hold on to that and try and, like I said, nick some wins. Like I said, if it's a, you know, a 1-0 and a 2-1 and hopefully you guys can do that or, or some draws where you'd write them games off. Like, you know, if you can if you can grind out a draw against the big boys, it just depends if, um, you know, you've got the manager to do it and the players to be able to do that. Like, so if you've got a David Moyes, he was able to do that, or a Dick Big Sam. Or... Yeah, yeah. And the, well, the last time Fulham visited West Ham, it was Afton Park, um, and and things have changed remarkably, I suppose, in that time. And and since then, what what's what will we expect? The London Stadium was under the lights Friday night. The atmosphere. Should be quite good in in terms of how it is. Obviously, not a, not a derby as such, but a London derby in, in many respects. I expect it to be to be loud and proud in there on on Friday. Yeah, definitely. I think it, it, a lot of the time, what happens on the pitch also dictates, uh, you know, how the fans are. If you guys are sort of like, we'll have that spell where we're singing and we're singing, but if we're not really doing much with the ball and. You know, we're not really showing any fight. The crowd can sort of turn and, and get really frustrated. But, you know, if the players fight and they, you know, they show heart and you guys start singing, they, they, they could be a really good atmosphere. When it's when it gets going, it's amazing. It's really loud. So, I mean, look, it's like I say, it's a Friday night game. Fans will be in the pubs beforehand drinking, getting themselves going. So, yeah, it should be a good atmosphere. 
um there like i said it's not it's not your classic like look it's not upson park it's not your your classic football ground you know it's very modern and there's a lot about i don't like but like when it is when it does get going it's a great place to be so hopefully you guys can see it when it's rocking and we can have just a really good game yeah i think so well i suppose we'll finish with uh what your prediction is for the game and you know how you see it going <sighs> prediction i'm gonna say 3-1 West Ham, I'm going to say, which is obviously super, super confident. Um, yeah, I mean, like, so from what I saw with your last game, like I said, it it was it's just in terms of finishing your chances. Um, you know, I can see us making a mistake or you getting past us and getting a goal. Um, but hopefully, with certain players that we've got coming back, nothing's been guaranteed, but Nasri is a big um, factor into our creativity and having that extra layer of creativity. Having Lanzini back on the bench, if he's back on the bench, would be a massive lift for the crowd, for the players, and just the potential of him coming off the bench. Like, I, I don't want to risk him if we don't have to, but if you have that little time at the end and he comes on the pitch, the stadium's going to go crazy. And, oh, if he gets like if he gets a winner or gets a goal, like it'll be unbelievable. Um, so yeah, like I said, we, we're getting we're getting over some injuries, and hopefully that could help us out. So yeah, I'm gonna go three one. Like I said, this could come back to bite me in the ass. That I, I, the I bloody way. hope it does, Dan. But, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but I can't. I'm I'm not confident it will. So uh, so there yeah. we are. Well, thank you very very much, mate. Appreciate your time. Uh, make sure that you check out West Ham Fan TV. They'll be in the link down there. Uh, make sure you click on that and. Thank you, Dan. We'll see you after the game, hopefully, for, for a drink and uh, hopefully a celebratory drink, but more likely a commiseratory drink these days. Um, but I, I very much hope to see you there, mate. Yeah, look forward to it, mate. Well, thank you very much to Dan from West Ham Fan TV, the uh, the famous YouTube channel with uh, lots of West Ham fan opinion after every game. Do go and check out those guys. In particular, they do uh, a similar thing to us. They do the post-match pint uh, after home games as well, given their reaction from the pub, which is uh, always a good watch. So, uh, yeah, make sure you check out their YouTube channel if you have any West Ham supporting friends or family. Uh, let's move on to a couple of great interviews that Dom, Guy and Cam did on the Love Sport radio show last week. Uh, you can catch that every single Wednesday. It'll be on this week as well from 8.30pm till 10. Uh, it's in London. Uh, you can listen on 5.5am or on digital radio or you can listen around the world at lovesportradio.com bit of a different feel to the show that we do here on the podcast sometimes a little bit more irreverent uh, but always great chat on a Wednesday evening and you can go and listen back to the show as well if that time isn't convenient for you uh, and one of the great interviews they did on Wednesday was with former Fulham and US goalkeeper Casey Keller an absolute hero of the 07-08 Great Escape season uh, and Dom and the guys started by asking Casey whether they saw this season going so badly. Well, I don't know if we, you, you necessarily see it. I think it's always an issue when a team gets promoted. You just wonder how quickly they're going to adapt to making that step up. And, you know, I thought Fulham were set up well to be able to do that. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, I think sometimes it's the way a season starts. You know, if you can get some good results early on, then it just kind of builds confidence on itself. And unfortunately, when you're conceding a ton of goals, it's really hard to build that confidence because at times you just don't look. 
can you find a result? Can you steal a nil-nil when maybe you shouldn't have? Can you win one-nil when maybe you got outplayed? And that just kind of builds itself. And it, the side just hasn't been able to, to string those kind of victories together. And I, I kind of thought after the Brighton game that maybe that was going to be the opportunity that that was going to happen, but it just hasn't quite worked that way. Mm. But so at the start of the season, Casey, it felt like everyone was talking about, not about Fulham staying up, but how high they could finish. You know, there was this furore and excitement of the, of the promotion, and rightly so, and everyone thought they had a great side already and they signed some good players and spent a lot of money. But obviously it's not worked out. Do you think that the reason has been the players that they brought in and it, it's just they've not been the right characters and it's upset the balance of the dressing room? I mean, you must have experienced something maybe similar before. I think it, it's hard when you're not in the locker room, right? It's hard when you're not in there to kind of know if that's the issue or not. Because, yeah, I mean, there's definitely sides that I've been in where you thought, wow, this is a group that's together and a group that can win some games and either get themselves out of trouble or maybe find themselves qualifying for Europe when maybe it's not expected or have a long cup run or, you know, whatever it is. And then there's other times when you kind of know and you're thinking, wow, there's a grenade at any time going off in this locker room and and there's going to be some problems. And not being in there, I don't know what the problem is. But from the outside looking in, you have to be able to keep clean sheets if you want to stay up. You have to be able to defensively keep yourself in games. And if you're hoping to win games 4-2, 4-3, that's a real tough task. You know, I don't want to point fingers at people, but there's definitely, you know, guys have to step up. There's going to have to be some guys who step up, and, and if the club has a chance of having another uh, you know, miraculous turnaround to stay in the Premier League. Now, Casey, just touching on the whole transfers and the recruitment side of things, uh, out of the multitude of players that we brought in, of course, we actually uh, acquired two goalkeepers in Sergio Rico and uh, Fabricio. We started off with Fabri and that kind of fell you know, pretty dead after a, after a very short spate of time. And then we uh, turned our attentions back to Marcus Bettinelli, who was uh, pretty integral for us last season during our promotion run. Where do you, as a renowned keeper, predict that Marcus actually went wrong this season? And um, do you believe that he will attain a starting spot next year if we are ultimately to get you know, relegated? Or do you feel that the club will go out and uh, chance a hand in the transfer market once again to potentially I, replace him? I think what's tough about when you're looking at, at goalkeeping, it's, it's always a case of you're... You know, I was trying to explain this to somebody the other day, and I was just kind of it's it's that buying equity in being able to make enough saves that helps your team pick up points. Mistakes are going to happen. We all know that there's the odd mistake that's going to, or hopefully just the odd mistake that's going to happen. But you have to be able to, particularly in a team that's struggling, you need to hope that your goalkeeper can have those games where there's three, four saves. And you're thinking, wow, we should be 2-0 down at halftime at least. We kept it at 0-0. We made some adjustments at halftime. And we came out and we were able to win 1-0 or, or maybe you know, 2-0 up and concede a late goal, whatever it is. But be able to pick up points. But you can look back at those times throughout where you're saying, wow, your goalkeeper really kept you in games. And then if there's an odd mistake, you're like, okay, no problem. He saved us so many points. And it just hasn't consistently been that way. And look, don't get me wrong. There's plenty of games, too. Look, I had games where, yeah, it went wrong and you lose 6-0 and whatever else. And you look back and you go, 
I don't know if I could have done one thing different in the six goals that I conceded. Yeah, those games are there too, and it just happens. But you have to hope that over 10-game period, if you need your goalkeeper to keep yourself in, in at least five or six of those games, and, and I don't think that's consistently happened this year. If we talk about your no time... No matter who was in goal. <laughs> <laughs> if we talk about your time at the club, um, I'm curious two aspects of it, really, because obviously you joined in January, I believe. Um, nope. No, you nope, didn't. beginning of the season. Oh, really? <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> a couple games... A couple, oh, come a, a couple on. Games, a couple games into the season, and then I played... Truly, I signed... I got all my stuff done on a Thursday. I trained Friday, and I played Saturday at Aston Villa. Wow, I always had it in my head uh, that you joined in January. Because then Ante came back into the side for a few games, and then I came back into the side. We drew nil-nil at Chelsea, a couple of things, and then, uh, then I blew my shoulder out. So then I spent four months rehabbing, and then it felt like I came back in January. There we go. I came go. back like in January, February, and then worked my way back to fitness and, you know, Got the nod uh, late in the year, and you know, ten, twelve games, uh, we put together a phenomenal run. That's what I meant, obviously. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what, the other aspect is Fulham have got this, you know, connection with American players, and I just wanted to know how much of a factor that might have been in you joining. And um, we've got, still got Tim Ream playing for the club. I'll tell you the story how club. I joined. I'll, uh, and there was a huge American factor involved, where. I was contemplating retiring. I had finished my contract at Mooch and Gladbach, and I was maybe going to go back play on my last. I was going to try to figure some stuff out, and I'm actually packing up my house in Germany, and I think Fulham had played Arsenal away, and Brian McBride did his knee. And Brian was my roommate on the national team for 10 years and really – you know, my best friend in football. So I called Brian on the Sunday just, you know, to say how sorry I am that he did his knee and I wish the best for him. And as the conversation progressed, I knew that Ante had been injured and, and I knew Tony Warner and I just kind of asked Brian, I just kind of said, so man, what's going on, you know, with the goalkeepers? And he just kind of, he was like, why? I said, no, why? I said, it's just a conversation. <laughs> and he's like, would you come? I said, that's not the conversation. The conversation <laughs> I was just asking how the guys are. And he's like, no, I'm, I have to go into the club tomorrow, and I'm telling the club you're available. And I said, Brian, do whatever you want to do. <laughs> so, so then the next morning, and I knew Dave Besson pretty well, and he was a goalkeeping coach. And so really about German time, must have been about 8.30, must have been before training, because it was like 9.30 German time. And phone rang and it was Dave and are you available? I said, well, I guess I'm available. (laughs) An hour later, Lori Sanchez called me and then next thing you know, later that afternoon, I was in a flight to London. Or actually Tuesday, I was on a flight to London and Wednesday, Thursday, we did the physicals. And then, like I said, I trained Friday and played Saturday. Talking about obviously Americans at Fulham, in your opinion, who do you th- actually think is the greatest American dev player at Fulham? Because obviously, you know, there's so many you can list off. You know, you've got McBride, you know, you've got Dempsey, even some. I mean, I've I've, I've I had a really close finish with Bocanegra, and I don't know, yeah. I, and I don't know why. But yeah, I think Lowe's played really well. I mean, for the club, and yeah, I think really it's it's you know it's kind of a toss up. I think between Brian and and and. And Clint, I think they were kind of two different players, obviously, and so it's kind of hard to to kind of make that uh, 
difference, but but only one of them I think has a bar named after him at the stadium. So. Yeah, exa- exactly. <laughs> one, one left. That, in. that might tip it a little bit. Not, but, nice uh, away, nice away than the other. Yeah, like I said, Brian is one of my best friends. I love what he was able to do at Fulham, and uh, I was so excited that I was able to come and add to that kind of American. Uh, group of players that had the time at Fulham and and, and I still I, you know when people ask me and I and I'm doing speeches or I'm talking about different things about all the different clubs I played for I have such a fondness of being able to be part of really one of the greatest relegation escapes in Premier League history and and um so I have a ton of respect for the club and the way they treated me and my family and everybody and uh I'm just so fortunate that I had the opportunity we're talking about the Great Escape. One of the questions we asked on Twitter came in from one of our listeners, Joe Thompson, and he was like, how much do you remember of the last-minute save against Petrov in that famous 3-2 win? <laughs> it was crazy. I mean, it truly was a crazy game. Because Joe Hart was making saves, and I was making saves. And, you know, we're down, and we're scoring. Then we're on this comeback, and I don't know. I mean, it was... It truly was one of the wildest games that I'd been a part of. Because sometimes when you're part of those games, it's all about context as well. Correct me if I'm wrong, but we're 2-0 down at halftime. Yeah, and relegated as it stood. Like, Were you aware that, we were, that you were relegated? Yeah, like... oh, no, no, we knew that. Yeah, we knew that we needed to pick up results. And a result, otherwise we were relegated. And you're 2-0 down at halftime. And truly, we were getting a bit of a hammering, to be honest. So, but... Being able to then come out the second half, know that we had to push numbers forward to try to get back to the game, which usually means that then you're going to have to leave gaps at the back. And and that means at times you're going to have to be called upon for your goalkeeper to come up with some saves. And, and, and again, I'm just so happy that I was able to, you know, because it is, it's kind of like a family, right? And so you, when you can help your teammates, your coaching staff, your ownership, obviously your fans, but then... So much of goalkeeping is you have a great game and you lose 2-0. You know, when you can have games where you have a direct influence on your club picking up points, and picking up points at times when it doesn't matter. Look, it's, how, many, how many times have you seen a team that's already been relegated go pick up a great result because there's no more pressure? It's how do you perform under that pressure at halftime, knowing that you're relegated if things stay the same. You get yourself back into the game. Nothing's worse than throwing it away after that. You know, I was fortunate. I had a 20-year career. And those moments at so many different points with different clubs where you can say, wow, that was a situation where you really helped your family come away with something. Obviously, we concluded with the How Does Great Escape finished. Obviously, that amazing win at Portsmouth away in the baking sunshine. Oh, it was so hot in that Fratton Park away end. But were you, remember, were you, I'm, I'm American. Yeah. So <laughs> were you, um, were you conf- in May on the on the south coast is yeah. is, is a little bit different. Yeah. yeah. Were you were you confident going into that game? And so, what were the well, emotions like when bad. Murphy scored? I think kind of in the similar frame of mind. You know, when we'd got ourselves out of the relegation zone the weekend before at home. And after the results and everything had gone away, once again, nothing is worse than getting that little bit of hope and then throwing it away once you've gotten yourself into a situation when you actually had 
you know, everything was in your own hands. You didn't have to worry about results anymore. All you had to do was go down to Portsmouth and win a game. Now, sometimes there's extenuating circumstances that help you out. And obviously, Portsmouth being in the FA Cup final, resting players helped us out. But at the same time, I just said to myself, I can do what I can do. I'm going to go down and I'm going to do everything I can to keep a clean sheet. And if, I, and, and if we keep a clean sheet, you know, and, and we can find a goal, then fantastic. But you always still had that hope that, oh, look, Reading can lose. And I can't remember who else we were battling with. But the only reason I say Reading is because Marcus Hanneman is also one of my best friends. So <laughs> I, and, I, and I see him, and we live truly a mile apart from each other. And, and he I played for Fulham as well, didn't he? Yes, exactly. So I tease him all the time. And so to go down there and then to think that we weren't able to pull that off when it was in our own hands because all the results went against us in, you know, coming in and and understanding that we had completed, you know, what we had started and what pretty much all the pundits felt was impossible. A long answer to basically say, yes, I mean, we had that belief. We knew we'd gotten these string of results. We knew we could go down there and get a result. But knowing you can do it and actually doing it are completely two different things. And so I think that's, again, why, you know, it's one of those moments in my long career that you still are excited about. You're still happy to talk about because under the pressure, under the circumstances, you had to get a result. And we stuck together. Danny got the goal. You know, I wasn't overly busy it wasn't like i was making saves like some of the other games but still you got to be clean you got to make good decisions you got to have the you know don't you know have that 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 keep that confidence uh from your defense everything's going well and and we did we stuck together as a team and and we completed the task what a man casey keller here on the Fulhamish Extra, and that was on the Love Sport Radio Show on Wednesday night with Dom, Guy, and Cam. What an absolute hero. I was expecting good things, but just a genuine, lovely man, isn't he? Uh, do let us know what you thought of that interview, uh, and do make sure you check out the fan show every Wednesday. Another segment that they did on Wednesday's show was to catch up with Tom Greatrix, the chair of the Fulham Supporters Trust, and they started by asking him the latest on the Liverpool ticketing debacle. We had a monthly meeting with the club earlier this week and I think it's fair to say the biggest issue in terms of issues we've had from our members to raise, because we always ask members what they want to raise, in the last couple of weeks has been the way in which the club have decided to sell tickets for the last six games and particularly selling new memberships right up until the day before those tickets go on sale and then giving those people priority over season ticket holders. This really mainly affects Liverpool fixture. It doesn't matter how badly we're going to do this season and we maybe couldn't have done all that much worse. There are always going to be two games that would sell out without any trouble at all because of the number of people that want to go and see them and support the other teams, and that's Manchester United and Liverpool. To announce that the tickets for the last six games were going to go on sale at the start of the week and saying, by the way, buy your membership now before five o'clock tomorrow and you'll be entitled to buy two tickets for that fixture was just a very blatant attempt to sell memberships not caring who they were going to to try to get the extra £40 for each of those memberships and then to turn effectively turn a blind eye to Liverpool fans or potentially touts although I suspect most touts will have had the memberships ahead of that time but to buy those tickets and to reduce the opportunity for Fulham fans who've you know, been going for years and have season ticket holders and are, are amongst the most loyal of supporters so yeah, we pressed the club quite hard on that this week and um, you know, I think it is a really even if 
the intentions were not as that appeared to be, but that's exactly how it appeared. And alongside some of the issues around the price of tickets, alongside issues around the failure to uh, agree a new upgrade scheme or ticket exchange scheme, despite promising that, it all sends a message, which is overall that whilst the club's been in the Premier League this year, it's maximise any revenue any way you can. A very short-term approach, we think, because you don't know when you're going to go down, but we look like, looks like we've got a fair chance we might go down this season. If that happens... We're back in a position where you want to have the loyalty of the supporters mm. in the times when, you know, frankly, we're not going to be selling out very often. What's the gut feeling from the club when you do speak to them? Do you think they will budge on this this season, or do you think this is th- what they've decided and they're going to see it out now? No, no. I mean, this season, all the, the tickets for the last games are on sale. They're not going to change the ticket prices. I think they've been perhaps slightly surprised with quite a lot of the games. You know, they haven't actually sold out, or they've sold out like the Tottenham game, the Arsenal game. They have sold out, or almost sold out, but they sold out very close to kickoff. You know, just sort of a couple of days before, not a couple of weeks before, or as possibly might have been expected. And that's down to a number of factors, but I'm absolutely clear and convinced that one of those is that for fans who don't have a season ticket for whatever reason, whether it's financial or because of the practicalities of other things they have to do, when you look at a ticket for a home game in just behind the goal, just a standard seat at 60 or 65 pounds, depending on which end you're at, that is a lot. It's a lot compared to other teams of a similar size in the Premier League. It's a lot compared to what Fulham fans have paid in recent years. And even accepting you might pay more for being in the Premier League, the reality is that some of those fans then have been priced out of that, or they won't go as often as they might have done. And that just makes it feel and look as though this is about maximising revenue in a very short-term approach, rather than trying to build the atmosphere in the ground, the um, you know the sort of sense of unity and togetherness and that means that when things get rough as we saw it ourselves last week actually you know you start to get a reaction you get a reaction which isn't encumbered with patience or understanding and you get people who walk away that's not what we want we want to have a thriving and growing supporter base that made up of the people that have been going for years and would always continue to want to go and new people as well not sacrificing one for the other you know, the club, I think, understand that we have been pretty irritated by this, that we've asked them to consider a whole range of different factors ahead of next season, whatever division we're in, to try to have a much better position next season, because this season is one of those issues which is greater than a lot of people. It hasn't been the best way of handling things. I think they've made a you know, strategic error at the club have to sort of think about the Premier League as a massive payday. And you've got to remember as well, ticket revenue, it's a relatively it's small tiny. proportion when you're in the Premier mm. League because of the amount of money you get from the broadcasting rights. Tom, I'm not a season ticket holder. I'm a membership holder and I relatively budge my budget my money to uh, to Fulham games to basically see which games I can and can't go to. And I totally agree that the ticket prices in the Premier League have been astronomical and uh, trying to make ends meet in the sense that I want to go and see my club, but I also have um, amenities outside of football that I need to pay for. It just seems a little bit unfair that the club have totally disregarded the fact that there is a common man that goes to watch football and there's a common Fulham fan as well, regardless of the fact that we're seen as quite an affluent, lavish club um, from the surface of things. One thing that I will touch on, uh, particularly about Liverpool and the Man United game, is... uh, it was the amount of Man United fans that I noticed personally in Hammersmith end, actually. I managed to get a ticket down um, right at the front in row B, H5. And in front of me, there must have been a, a group of at least 20 Man United fans. And uh, it totally dilutes the uh, atmosphere at Craven Cottage when you want everybody behind the home side in the home terraces. 
and you have I, I hate to use the word but you have these kind of morons just around you that totally kind of uh, overshadow everything which goes about being a Fulham fan and going to the matches and being around the people that you want to be sur- surrounded by and I just feel, you know, as a business model, of course, they want to be maximising as much money as they possibly can in the Premier League. But they've totally, totally kind of disregarded normal Fulham fans. And I don't necessarily see that's, uh, you know, a very clever move in, in, in prospectus of the future because fans like me, we're never going to stop supporting the club, of course. And I'm always going to be um, supporting through thick and thin. But, you know, for those that are like me and they can't get to as many games that I can... I think it, it it totally puts them on 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 the back foot, and if they're going to be prioritising away fans to be allocating home tickets, seemingly, then from the surface of things, what's the point of coming along to a club like Fulham, which is supposed to be you know a family orientated club, is supposed to be affordable, is supposed to be one of those uh, atmospheres you go to because you want to have a, a nice you know untroubled time. But I also saw the atmosphere turn a little bit sour as well, which is I, I don't come to Fulham for that really. You know, I, I blow off a bit of steam, but I don't want to see people having a, an absolute rant at away fans and making it difficult for people to enjoy the game because they're constantly in front, giving it large, basically. So it's something that does need to be addressed in my mind. And uh, just elaborating on your point, I've really wanted to get us off my chest for a couple of weeks now. We've been chatting to the lads about it in studio. And, uh, you know, it's actually nice to to know that you're out there, you're trying to fight for the, for, for the fans and you're trying to fight for the best interest, basically. You know, I think you put your finger on it when you said about the way it felt. If you're going to have away fans in home areas. We're not, we're not talking about people who might be friends with home fans who sit there to speak. We're talking about people who don't make any attempt to hide their allegiance and, in fact, you know, sort of try and wind people up around them. If it puts people off when they don't come again, you know, that is no substitute for being able to sell a ticket once a season to someone. And that's, I think, what they've got wrong. And we've said this very clearly to them. That, you know, they're not going to acknowledge or admit necessarily they've got it wrong, but they have said they will listen for how we propose to do things next season both in terms of affordability, but also, you know, in a way that makes it as convenient as possible for Fulham fans to help to build that atmosphere, build that sense of togetherness, which people often say that when things are going badly on the pitch, then all the issues that people have off the pitch will come to the fore. But I also think the opposite is true. When things are going well off the pitch, that helps to, you know, get a sense of positivity about the club, which helps to encourage what happens on the pitch. If and things aren't completely unrelated. And we want, to, we want that's what we want to be doing, whatever division we're in next season. Speaking of next season, when do you think season tickets are going to be info about that? Do you think that's coming soon or not? There's a very significant complication this season and we, we spoke about this in quite a lot of detail on, on Monday and there'll be more stuff for trust members coming out about this. Is because of the um, impending demolition of the Riverside stand and having to relocate people in a much smaller capacity, it's a more complex process than in previous years because you've got to move people and give them a chance to say whether they want to be moved to where they, where they can be put in and so there'll be a, you know, more than one stage in the process of season ticket renewal. So I think it's going to be slightly later, more to do that than which division we're going to be in. And it will, you know, it'll be a sort of a, a staggered process. I think in terms of the prices for season tickets, we made it very clear that, you know, people who bought their season tickets for this season early on, right at the very start, prior to um, being in the playoff final, the early birthday, got a very good deal for Premier League football. The people who bought tickets prior to the playoff final got a, a reasonably good deal, actually. The people that, bought post-promotion, they paid much more. There weren't that many of them, but because they had a cap on it, they paid much more. That shouldn't be the floor for all prices, because if it is, you'll see a whole number of people who just, it's not anything to do with not wanting to support the team, but people just won't be able to afford those prices. Um, and to be frank, and to be fair, the club have accepted that that 
in and shouldn't be the baseline for season ticket prices next year. Where we end up with those, you know, we're trying to do everything we can to persuade them to think about growing the fan base and keeping that fan base that can, you know, help and help the club, help build the atmosphere and, uh, you know, grow the positivity around the place. And sometimes that means you might you might do it in a way which is a slightly longer-term approach rather than just thinking about the bottom line how much money you can get in one season because if you do that too much, then it will be gone the next season. And that's, that's the risk. And I think hopefully yeah. this season, perhaps some of that has come through to people who are responsible for these things about you know, some of the things they might have done differently if they had the time again. Well, thank you to Tom and the guys as well for that very interesting perspective on what's been a little bit of a fiasco regarding those tickets. And uh, it feels like the FST's inbox at the moment must be at an all-time high, given quite a lot of the uh, fan issues going on around ticketing and also with the uh, the Riverside development going on as well. feels like the FST are very, very busy at the moment and they do do an absolutely sterling job. If you aren't a member yet of the full supporters trust i do urge you uh, to join it's only a tenner it really helps you stay involved and get more involved with the club it gives you even more of a say uh, on what this great club does so make sure you check out the fulham supporters trust website it's only a tenner and do sign up it is very very worthwhile so that is all for fulhamish extra today a uh, little bit of a cobbled together episode i admit but hopefully insightful absolutely loved that interview with casey keller Uh, and also good to get an opposition perspective from Dan as well. Fulhamish, the podcast, will return next Monday. Uh, I'll be in the studio with the guys uh, looking back at the West Ham game and looking forward to the midweek clash at Southampton. So that'll be out on Monday night, Tuesday morning, depending where you live in the world. Uh, And just to say, have a great weekend. Uh, Hope you enjoy the game on Friday. It's a sellout uh, in the away end and hopefully Fulham fans are in good voice and let's hope we can get three points and just give a bit of belief back to this team and back to the fan base. So until next time, thank you for listening today and uh, we'll see you next week. Acast powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. Hey, it's Maria Hinojosa here. And Julio Ricardo Varela. We are the co-hosts of the Roundtable podcast, In the Thick, where we talk about politics, race, and culture from a people of color perspective. That's right. Every Tuesday and Friday, we bring you the latest political news, covering the stories and issues that matter to communities of color with amazing POC journalists, activists, and academics from all over the country. So you're not going to want to miss our coverage because we have a lot of fun. We do. Which means that on election night, November 3rd, we are going to be hosting a live virtual show to give you the much-needed POC perspective on this crucial night in our country. Follow us on social media at In The Thick Show to make sure you don't miss the updates and this live analysis. Subscribe to In The Thick wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST, A-cast. 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 recommends.